0: This is Jason Martinez from Flyers Daily, and you're listening to the Flyered Up Podcast. Big oh, wow. stall blast on oh, that hitch. Diving, save, heart as he flashes across. And Breer sets up Carl's side of the match to find the score!
1: Breer moving in, stops, cuts through the middle, still has a
2: shot! Score!
0: Here's Hugh giving it across the oh. line. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Flyered Up Podcast. I'm your host Damadeo Garasi, along by Chris Mayer, as always. Also Tyson Quibell from the Painted Lines. We are live streaming on the Painted Lines, TTP Sports, and Flyers Fan Media ninety three on YouTube. And for people who haven't been able to tune into the live streams, they will always be on your typical podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. At welcome back to the Flyered Up Podcast. We're getting really close to hockey. Really, really close to hockey. We all hope you had an amazing Christmas. And let's get into the business. Flyers' schedule was released a couple of days ago. We're going to be breaking that down. The World Juniors are currently underway. And there has been a lot of lopsided scores in there. But we'll talk about some Flyers' prospects that are lighting up the lamp during those times. And a lot of news going on with signings. Some players that had to step down and not be able to play. We're going to get into all of that. So, Chris, Tyson. How are you all feeling getting closer to the NHL season? Tyson, we'll start with you since you were not on last week's show.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I think that uh, any hockey is better than no hockey, uh, even if it's a 56-game schedule. So I think the World Juniors have been kind of scratching that itch for me the last few days, but I'm just ready for there to be some NHL hockey again. I'm glad that it hasn't been pushed off, uh, even more so as was rumored, and that pretty quickly here we're going to actually have some some games here. It seems like divisions are finalized. seems like players are getting PTOs and signing and it just looks like a exciting time uh, for any hockey fan right now.
0: And Chris, just, we're getting closer to the season. I already know you're pumped. I can see you're copying me and wearing the reverse retro jersey right there. Yeah. So uh, What's the mood? How are you feeling? <clears throat>
1: I am I feel great, man. Um, I'm, you know, it makes me think too, like, I feel like for the longest time, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And now finally, you know, we have something. Um, we actually know the day uh, of most of the games. We just don't know the – I mean, we know the time for the first game. Um, but we don't know the other 55. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a good season. I do. Um, I have high hopes for the Flyers this year. Um, it's going to be a tough division. It's, as we talked about it before. It's probably the hardest division out of the four. So, again, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, again, I agree with Tyson. I think the, I think the World Juniors have been great. Um, I think they've done a lot. With that, I think, you know, everything of just them being in a bubble, I mean, like to me, I think it's really similar to the playoffs. Um, they, I think they did a great job with just, you know, with the production on TV and things like that. So overall, um, it's it's been scratching that itch, too. I agree with Tyson there. Um, and again, I think it's cool that we uh, have some hockey back and at least the, the uh, days for
0: some of these games coming up. Yeah, we're just looking at the schedule right now. The Flyers, they're going to be the very first game on January 13th against the Pittsburgh Penguins at 5.30. That, to me, when I just see 5.30, I just like, oh man, it's an odd time. <laughs> but it's just like, hey, majority of the people are going to be home. They're, they're going to be home at their TV watching the game. So honestly, the time doesn't really matter at that point. We got Flyers hockey. That's the only thing that matters. And just looking at the schedule entirely, since is going to be against all one division, all the games are basically from what it looks like. It's going to be just to limit the travels. You'll be seeing a lot of teams being played at least twice in a row. And that's the way it's going to start off with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Flyers will play them the first two games of the season. And that's going to be the way it shapes up the entire season. So it limits travel. And honestly, this could be maybe something that benefits a lot of the teams. It's a lot more rest you don't have to worry about traveling back and forth to so many places. And honestly, I can understand why there would be so many back-to-backs because there's not that much travel. So just looking at this first game in matchups at the against the Pittsburgh Penguins, just the Flyers are the first game. I think Tampa Bay and Chicago, they are the second game. Who's the third game? I think it's Colorado, but who else? Colorado and St. Louis. Colorado and St. Louis. So those are going to be the first three games. To start off the NHL season and just looking at this first game against the Pittsburgh Penguins I feel like that's probably the perfect game you have to start out the NHL season by far right Br- really the battle of Pennsylvania guys I want to hear your thoughts on the Flyers being the first team to be played during the shortened 2021 season so Chris I want to start with your thoughts on the Flyers being the first team to be playing yeah I mean I I personally think it's awesome. Um, I, I think it's cool to see the Flyers get,
1: you know, recognition like that and, and you know, to, to be able to play that first game. Um, I think overall, I, I think there's actually five games on that day. I think the other two are in the uh, Canadian or the North Division, I should say. Um, but overall, I think it's I think what they try to do is do, like, rivalry games that day. So I think it makes sense. Um, I honestly think the two teams Flyers probably could have played where either the Pens or the Bruins could have maybe seen the Rangers. Um, but, again, I think it makes sense for them to start off against Pittsburgh Um overall, and I think it's gonna be a great game. I I, honestly, I think it's gonna be a good series too. one thing I will say um about most of the the schedule in in a whole, um, I really like that there's like it it like I mean the Flyers only have eight back-to-backs um through the course of the year, and they have a lot of days in between games. Um I think I think their longest stretch in between uh games where they have like a break, I believe it's like three or four days. It's not too far. So it's not like an insanely long break like we've seen, like like maybe like with that Christmas break where it's like a five-day break where last year they played the 23rd and then play again until the 28th, something like that. But overall, I, I think it's a
0: good schedule, I'm excited uh, for that first game and that first series versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, Tyson, just going to those first series of games right there, I see that your Toronto Maple Leafs, I, I forgot <laughs> them first. I got they be opening up like in the Montreal Canadiens, just like looking at all these games that are just starting on January 13th, a bunch of these rivalry games. We also have the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. Like, just get your thoughts on, okay, we finally have a – we have a schedule we have the date the dates confirmed like what are your thoughts and excitement just going into that first day right there
2: yeah I mean I think that I'm excited for there to be the potential for there actually being kind of some old school rivalries to build up again I think a lot of what they've done in the new scheduling over the past few years in particular was they moved away from you know more division obviously it's a lot easier now it seems now, not, any, not with the COVID-19, but before COVID-19, uh, a big difference, a lot easier to to travel for games. Um, you know, it was even in the 90s. Sometimes you would have teams that actually wouldn't have their own plane, And so they'd fly on regular airplanes uh, in some instances in the NHL in the, in the late 90s. So to have this ability now to have every team be able to travel as they are able, it's kind of in some ways almost watered down, especially with 31 teams. Uh, the ability to build a past rivalry. So the the Red Wings, for example, Red Wings-Avalanche of the late 90s, early 2000s was just an epic rivalry. Uh, and so now uh, we've seen the past couple of years, for example, in what will be the North Division, Calgary and Edmonton. They hate each other. Uh, battle of Alberta, probably more than a a two times in the Alberta. league. They'll play each other, like, I believe it is 10 times this year.
1: It is 10 um, times, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, let's just say we're going to have line brawls and I don't know, eight of them. Um, I don't I have no idea. But I mean, That would yeah, be
1: fantastic.
2: It, 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 if we're going by percentage, goalie fight day, every night. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, maybe we're going to, I mean, they, teams are going to carry four right, goalies, I think, or three or four. So, I mean, they can rotate I think them it's in. It's three. But three? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. But I think I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, for some of those old rivalries where you're just kind of like, Ah, that used to be a thing. Like even the Toronto, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa ones, like other than Toronto, the other two haven't really been playoff teams for a while for the last couple of years. So as someone like me who grew up in, you know, watching hockey, 90s, early 2000s, religiously, the Senators was always a huge rivalry. The Canadians always were. We were always kind of in the playoffs and beating the junk out of each other. And now it's kind of like, well, who are our rivals really? Like what are heated games that I really want to watch? Uh, yeah. And now those are kind of happening with, with more regularity. I mean, it's kind of like the Battle of Pennsylvania. You want to see the Battle of Pennsylvania yeah, uh, quite a bit. Maybe even mm-hmm. the, the Rangers, you know, like uh, past rivalries that maybe have kind of taken a back seat. I think we're going to see come to the forefront. And that makes me extremely excited. And, and I think, too, it's, it's huge that the Flyers are getting that first night uh, on NBC Sports Network. I mean, I was reading that Dallas only has one nationally televised game on NBC mm-hmm. Sports Network this whole next season. Uh, and they were in the Cup finals, so they're very picky. Uh, Flyers are on their on seven times. Out. Yeah, yeah so Flyers they... the
1: seven national games.
2: That's Good. telling because they're recognizing the the draw of them.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and last year they had twenty, um, mm-hmm. yep. and it makes sense too. I mean, they're owned by Comcast, so obviously they're going to be getting some games. But but still, I mean, there's still a a you know definitely a TV market with, you know, I mean, I feel like most of the games, it's you know, it's kind of always the same teams. Like, like you always have obviously the Flyers, Penguins, Rangers, Bruins, Chicago, Detroit. I mean, they, I mean they've kind of shifted more towards like, you know, obviously Colorado usually gets that late game. But I mean, most of them are, are kind of the same. But again, I mean, r- really, I think it's all the games, um, you know, and I think the one thing that kind of does stink is that, you know, it, like you always get like that one game that's the outdoor game, like like the stadium series. You always have that like kind of like good matchup because it's an outdoor game like last year with Colorado and L.A., that's kind of something that's like, that looks like a good game on the schedule because it is outdoors too. So I think that does add the element, um, but I, I would hope um, that they can do the, uh, the outdoor games. Cause I know that was kind of brought up a little bit ago that there were still some teams that were kind of like, you know, I guess kind of just like tinkering with that idea. Um, but overall, I, 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 agree with Tyson there
0: too. Yeah. Just looking at the schedule in general, just the amount of rivalries this is going to produce, just this entire season teams playing within their own division for the Flyers' standpoint, they have so many rivals on the Eastern coast, the main being the Pittsburgh penguins. You got the New York Rangers, you got the devils, you got the Washington capitals, you got the Boston Bruins. Like those are probably some of the main rivals for the flyers right there. And they're going to be facing those guys the entire season, at Mm -hmm. least eight or nine times. Yeah. That's going to be fantastic to watch. And just looking at the first month of the season right here, they opened the first four games at home, their first two games of the season, are against the Pittsburgh Penguins on January 13th and the 15th. Then a back to back on the 18th and the 19th between the Buffalo Sabres. Then the Flyers will go on the road for four straight games. On January 21st, they'll play, play and the 23rd, they'll be playing the Boston Bruins. On the 26th and the 28th, they'll be playing the New Jersey Devils. And then the final two days of the month of January, the 30th and the 31st, they will be playing the New York Islanders. So that's a tough month to start off right there. You got yeah. Pittsburgh, Boston, Islanders, Buffalo. It's a really tough month right there, the start yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> and just looking at all these games, it's – how is – the one thing that's always, like, dwelling in my mind right here is just that how do – like, since you're playing games, like, back teams back-to-back majority of the time, it kind of reminds me of, like, something what the AHL does when yeah. sometimes they do, like, their home stretches where they play maybe a team the same time, maybe during a weekend. Like, maybe this is, like, different type of ground for some of these teams. Okay, Maybe when we put, if this was a regular season, we maybe play this team one time that we don't see them maybe for like another, like two, three weeks, maybe even four weeks, if we get lucky. Now we're seeing these same teams on back-to-back games. Like, yeah. does that make preparing for the games easier? Or does that make, I guess, adjusting or maybe a little bit harder? Like, what does that make it right there? Like Tyson, like, what do you think of that right there? Or like how the teams are going to be preparing for these games now, knowing that it's against division foes.
2: Yeah, I think it is going to be a tough adjustment. And I say that because, you know, depending on coaches, uh, but most of the time, let's just take goaltending, for example, in today's NHL, it's very rare the goalies like back-to-backs. Now, maybe with the breaks, that will be the case this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I would think if I was a, a team, say, like the Flyers with Carter Hart in particular, like in a 56-team season, you know, you're going to want him to play probably at least 30 to 35 um, yeah. at minimum. And – and so, in a back-to-back, like they're going to have to ask questions and, and personnel and things like that. Um, right. There's going to be a lot of that going on. But yeah, I mean, I think it is going to be a little bit harder to prepare, like especially if you're saying, like, like, like let's just say you get blown out uh, in the first day, and then the second day you're coming back playing the same team. Uh, it's just going to be both hard on morale and also hard on personnel. So uh, I think we're going to see some interesting sort of things take place. I also think we're going to see actually a lot. Uh, higher scoring, uh, sort of deal going on, especially with no preseason. Like, if you yeah. watch the first week of the season, most years, it's amazing to see how many goals go in. Like, you'll see some six, four games the first week until teams kind of settle into the systems. That's with exhibition. We got nothing, they're just going to jump right in and it's just going to be mayhem. And I'm all here for it. I want to, I, I, I rule for chaos or, or, or root for chaos uh, when it comes to these sort of things. So, I as much as I think it's going to be hard, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And and with these taxi squads, and they've talked about how they're you know going to have to do all these ta- transactions all the time to kind of move guys around. You're going to see a record number of like player movement between rosters and things like that, uh, like being called up and off and things like that for cap purposes. Um, you could totally see I think even an entire fourth line change over the course of a game. So uh, you could see a team like the Islanders maybe like have a pretty tough fourth line one game and then. Trots Trotz get mad and then flip an entire new fourth line in uh, for the next. So we're going to see a lot more, I think, personnel options for coaches and a lot more tinkering. It should be fun. A lot of mayhem.
0: Yeah, and Chris, just like going, like, basically off that same question for Tyson, like how do you think teams are going to adjust now knowing that they're going to be playing the same team multiple times in a row?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of it is going to carry over. I mean, I, I, I noticed in, in some of these world junior games, there's been stuff that's, kind of carried over um and things like that would like with these teams and i feel like when you play the same team so many times say for example if if there's just like a late hit or something or you know teams remember that stuff so that's going to carry over um i thought there's going to be a lot of a lot of you know honestly i in Tyson kind of go for a point with that too that's one thing i wanted to bring up was the the goaltending point um it makes me think how they do that with the flyers because i honestly could see them doing it where where moose and brian elliott i kind of feel like he's going to get um I honestly could see them probably getting run similar, you know, games. To be honest, because I mean, I feel like you you kind of want to keep hard fresh at the same time. Um, then, but then again, it kind of puts you puts that thought in the back of their mind. Could Lion outplay Elliot and Cat? I mean, it's probably unlikely, but it, it not that like it can't happen. Um, you know, overall, I feel like it's it's kind of tough to to kind of. I guess, break it down like from an instance uh, as of right now. But overall, I mean, I, th- I feel like the taxi squad also helps too, because again, if you have guys that are injured and things like that, um, you can just kind of, you know, insert them into the lineup. Um, overall, I've, I feel like, you know, preparing for the games might be a little bit easier on the coach's side, because again, you you know, we see this team X amount of times, you kind of get a feeling of how they play in late into those months, you know, maybe like February, March and April. Uh, Is when you really start to, you know, really start to get like that feel. And I, I know I just said those three months, which are literally like one of them is the second month of the season because I'm so used to saying the other months that are late into the year uh, in a normal year. Um, But you know, usually probably like you know March April is probably when you're going to be getting most of uh, those teams. You know, starting to get like that feel uh, for how these teams play and things like that, and kind of their style and and you know and and all that stuff. But overall, I mean, I I I honestly think the Flyers have a a good. I, I feel like they have a very good, you know, just overall, you know, schedule to look at because I feel like most of these games, it kind of puts them in a good spot. As I talked about, I talked about with the, the, uh, you know, with only having eight back-to-back, so I'm sure they had 16. So that's that, that's already half off from there um, and, and, and things like that. So overall, I think it's going to be a solid year for them. Um, I'm hoping they kind of, you know, take it with ease and, and try to, you know, enjoy it at the same time. Because again, I, I think it's tough with, with everything going on, you know, playing the same teams all the time it might get boring, um, you know, from a standpoint, if you kind of play the same team a lot, it, it might just be like, you know, you, I feel like it's going to be weird playoff wise, because it's like, you're going to have all division play until the conference finals. Okay. And that's going to be weird once that, you know, those two teams in the cup final meet each other, because that that is probably going to be the first time that they meet each other all year. So it really makes you think how that's going to play out, too.
0: Yeah, that's something that's definitely going to be looked at. It's just because you're playing your division so many times in one season, that's going to make the playoffs, like, going into the conference final and the Stanley Cup final just, like, even, I guess, more meaningful because, okay, this is the first time we're playing these guys the entire season. we got to play our asses off, and we got to prepare, like, mentally because who knows what they're going to throw at the table. And we have something in the comment section right here, a question from Sean asking, Do you think because of the more rivalry games that the flyers may have to add a little more physicality in case the rough stuff has to ensue? I mean, if you're going in the sense of rivalry games, yes, there's going to be a lot of physicality because the more times you play teams in a season, the more you're going to despise them. That's just, that's just the uh, thing you're getting right there. Then Sean also ensues after that comment, sign Matt Martin, who knows? (laughs) Who knows if that happens? I I, I personally don't see it happening. But, like, it's just going off that point. The more you get into the season, the more physical these games are going to get because these teams are just not going to like each other. They're going to be tired of playing each other. It's going to be one of those types of situations.
1: Yeah, Yeah, honestly, I I mean – go ahead, Tyson.
2: I was just going to say, I think, like, I think they have to take into consideration, too. The Flyers last year, your success was built on – you know, your four lines of of like uh, constant puck possession and uh, and the ability to have guys on the fourth line that maybe would be physical. like I think of Nick Kubell, right? Like he can play physical. He's unafraid to really tenacious, good on the four check. He's going to hit you, but he's not necessarily going to drop the gloves and do any of those sort of things. But uh, mm-hmm. in terms of his on-ice contribution, he has an amazing on-ice contribution overall considering for a fourth line guy. Um, they will be likely in that same role again or possibly out of the lineup. So, um, I mean, there's a chance that if they maybe say say they're playing the Pens in the back-to-back and the first day they feel like they get run over, maybe they throw somebody else in. Maybe I, look at their, I was just looking at their depth chart. They don't have a lot there, but they have a lot of guys that are, when it comes to physicality, but they do have a good amount of guys that are big, strong, aren't afraid to play that style of play. I um, won't we'll necessarily drop them, but I, I don't think that's the type of style that the Flyers are going to be looking to play, to be honest with you. I think that was kind of the old-school uh, broad-street bullies that everybody loved, 70s, 80s, late 60s, uh, maybe occasionally in the 90s, but I think we're going to see this more high-puck possession game. I mean, I think Farabee is what right now I have Farabee probably likely to start the season as a fourth-line left winger, you know, if they go with some the lines of last year, behind Drew, Lindbaum, and JVR um maybe him and JVR could switch I don't know but uh if you think just think about that like there's not room for someone like a Matt Martin right there uh in a lineup say on the left side which is what Martin has historically played is on the left side so yeah
1: yeah I mean honestly I mean if you're looking at it at just a Matt Martin standpoint I don't really think it fits either I mean cap space they only have 2.2 and Martin got paid 2.5 last year so I'm really not too sure how that would work unless he would take a pay cut um, obviously, the Islanders still have to sign Barzal and things like that. But it's as I, I talked about it in the last episode too. Um, it's been rumored that they already, you know, gave offers to guys to like Corey Schneider, Andy Green, MMR, and but they just okay. haven't been announced. Like everything's gone through, but it just hasn't hasn't been announced yet because uh, they ha- obviously have to sign, you know, their star player in, in Matt Barzal. But you know, honestly, I, I feel like the Flyers don't necessarily have to be that tough gritty team I mean I think they're one of the best cycle teams in the NHL to be honest with you Um, and then once they get going I mean they have guys that are you know relatively small that can you know that I shouldn't say small but they're that they're just not known for their physicality like they're smaller like Drew for example he's 5'11 but you know Drew can bang at times you know I feel like guys like Terrier Voracek's great with the puck Kevin Hayes is is huge Um, I feel like there's a lot of guys that can just you know cycle the puck well I mean guys like Lawton, uh, Raffle, Albie, Coupelle. I mean, and then those are a couple guys that Tyson uh, mentioned too. Um, I feel like even, overall, they don't even guys like connecting can throw the body, yeah, right. I mean, I don't necessarily think they have to be at you know this big, broad, you know, Broad Street Boys team like you know, like they like they've been historically, but overall, I feel like you know they did get you know manhandled against the Islanders. I mean, they could not physically handle uh, you know, Brock Nelson and Anders Lee, and you know, was it concerning at that time yeah but you know it, it was a completely different team from what we saw in the regular season in the playoffs so that's another thing you got to look at it too it's like you can't you know base everything off the playoffs you kind of have to base it off the regular season too and i think overall um i i don't necessarily think the roster needs anything added to it right now i think they're set with that roster i think it's what they're going to go in go in with um and i honestly i, I mean i look at this flyers team like and, and honestly not just this year for years to come like if they lose somebody, I look at some of these prospects of guys that it, it's just like, okay, you know, this guy can come in and fill it. Like, like for example, a guy like Scott Lawton, like, honestly, a guy like Tanner, Tanner Legzinski could come in and fill that role. You know, they have so many guys now in the system that are blooming in any players, and they have a lot of guys that could make it this year. Um, there's guys that can make it down the road, call-ups, things like that. So, overall, I don't think they have to add much. I mean, they don't really have the cap to sign anybody, and just because they have the cap space doesn't mean they're going to use it. So I think overall, I think it makes sense for them to, you know, stick with the roster they have now. And I think that's probably what they're going to do for the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, just looking at just looking at the rest of the other parts of the schedule, we're going into February right now. So instead of just to save some time right here, I'm not going to say the specific dates. I'm just going to be saying who they're playing at the times. So the start of February, they'll be playing twice against the Boston Bruins. Then they'll go on the road to play the Capitals two times, come back home. They'll play the Devils two times. And then in a stretch of three games and four, four, three and four games, they'll be playing the New York Rangers. And then in between that, they'll be playing the Boston Bruins. And then to close out the month of February, they'll be playing Buffalo twice. And then going into March, that adds on to the five-game road stretch between Pittsburgh and then one game in Boston. So it's just, you play the Rangers for the first time in February. The Rangers are going to be a much difficult team to play this year. They're very young. They're very talented, and they're going to have a lot of things to prove. Honestly, like we said in the, in our last podcast, this division it's going to be the toughest division to play to yeah. even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Every team you can argue is a playoff contender. Honestly, besides maybe sure. you can argue Buffalo, I would not say you can argue the Devils. Yeah, every team probably I, the Devils.
1: Mm, I mean, I, I think the Devils will be better. I think they'll. I think yeah. they'll probably give some teams a hard time, but. I think if this was two, three years down the road, I'd say, okay, maybe all teams, you know, obviously this will be completely different um, because, you know, they're already looking at, you know, a, a fresh new season next year. But overall, if, if this right now was two, three years down the road for New Jersey, I think they'd probably be in a better spot. But um, just to go off your point, I personally think Buffalo can battle. I just don't know because the last two years they've been a team that's like they they're streaky, like, i believe it was 1819 they were phenomenal like they were in the beginning of like you know top of the atlantic and then they completely fell off like they just went right
0: down like i Didn't they have like a 10 game winning streak or something like that yeah. and then they just yeah. ended up missing the playoffs they put they put the flyers in what they 20, had 1017
1: yeah they had a 10 game win streak in december and they were i believe at the end of that month they were the best team by like four. I think it was either four points or like three games. It might. Like, it was like four, like six points, whatever, like ahead in first place. So they had a, a decent advantage, and then they just completely fell off from there. Yeah,
2: yeah they, they I, I do think the they're blockers. gonna. Be, yeah, I think they are gonna be better this year. I think now mm-hmm. they, they, I think they could maybe even surpass the Bruins, which might sound weird, but Bruins just lost you know two of their top four defensemen from last year, yeah. uh, and haven't replaced them internally or externally. And that was an issue for them last year at moments was their blue line depth. And so yeah. you have a Sabres team. And now they have, obviously, everyone knows Jack Michael, Uh And so he drives the line on his own, adding Taylor Hall. Now you've got a second line with another player that can drive on his own, whether he plays with Eichel or not. I think they're probably likely to separate him. Uh, and then you add to the mix Dylan Cousins, who we've seen play for Canada at the World Juniors, who's 19, six foot four, center, can also play on the right wing. He can likely match up with one of those guys. He's, I think he's at nine points now in three games in the World Juniors and was expected to make the Bruins this year anyway. Or, excuse me, Sabres uh, this year anyway. I think that uh, like, they're going to be a little bit better, plus Darlene a year older. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see that division because I think we're going to see a few changes there. I think the Capitals will probably be what they have been, right? And I think the Bruins are worse. I think the Flyers will probably remain roughly – in that same sort of area they were last mm-hmm. year. Uh, I think the Rangers and, and and Sabres will take a step forward, at least in terms of talent they have. But, uh, again, coming out of that division, uh, it's going to be a tough division.
1: Just to add off, off your point there with Buffalo, they did add Eric Stahl, too. They did. So they, yeah. they do have another center depth and some more leadership in the locker room, too, because that was one of the key things that they missed when they traded away Ryan O'Reilly.
0: Yeah, now like to set that top six for Buffalo. Like that's something right there because you have your first line. You have a guy like Jack Eichel. He's going to drive the play. You got another year under of Olafson. And then and then you also have Eric Stahl. You added Taylor Hall. And that's it's something to work around right there. Their defense is still very young. You got Mm Restaline, you got Dallin. There's their goaltending to me is probably maybe a little bit of their flaws right there. They still have Olmark. they still have Hutton. I think Mark's probably going to be the guy going forward, and it's still like a question mark situation right there. Yeah, I,
1: I feel like th- th- they are trending in the right direction, though. I will say, I think it's I think it's just a matter of time where they might need that that key piece, either on the back end or in or in the net. Um, but honestly, I'm not too sure. Like honestly, I look at a team like Boston. Yes, they're young, and yes, you know they they did lose a lot in in the off season and losing Kruge and Chara. Um, which is insane that Char is still in the same division. Um, and honestly, you know, I I, I look at them, I kind of look at them the same way I look at the Flyers. Like, okay, the Flyers lost Niskanen, but they have Carter Hart. Okay, they lost Krug and Chara, but they have two Rask. So I'm not necessarily, like, insanely worried because I honestly think the Flyers and Bruins have the two best goaltending teams in the division. I really don't know who is number one. I think they're honestly neck and neck for, from the, I think they're really tied for first, to be honest. Um, but overall, I, I honestly, I kind of look at it like, I still think the Bruins are, are one of the best teams in the division. I mean, they have that top line. They have the depth. Um, overall, I think their, their play overall might dip um, because last year we saw they were phenomenal at home last season. Um, but they lost a lot of games in overtime and shootout. I think they ended the season with 12 overtime and shootout wins or it might have been 13. Um, but it was right around that range where they had a lot of games where they kind of you know, slipped away from them. Um, but overall, um, I mean, I, it's tough. One question I want to ask, though, what are your guys' opinion on the Rangers going into this year? Because I think this is kind of the hot take that's like – it's similar to last year, but it's not at the same time because they, they they added a little bit. Obviously, they add you know, Lavernier, the number one overall pick, and it makes me think like are the Rangers going to be better or are they just going to be kind of the same, maybe a little bit better a couple games or whatnot, or do you guys think they made the playoffs?
0: I think they're still – I think they're going to be better. I still think they're too young. They have a lot of young players, especially on the forward core. They have some young players on the blue line, especially in net with Shesterkin. They're going to be a much better team, but I still think they're not at that level yet to mm-hmm. where they're they're going to be the ones that are expected to make the playoffs. I think they're still a very, very young team. They're growing in the right direction but I don't think they're just there yet. And Tyson, I, what are your thoughts on this? Because that's definitely going to be something described for probably one of these teams, I guess, in this entire division, it is the Rangers.
2: They're hard to predict in so many ways. And a lot of it is, again, is like the youth factor. Like Adam yeah. Fox was ridiculous on the back end last year. And then Capo Kaka up front, the second overall pick in the 2019 draft, had a pretty rough rookie season. On uh, counting stats, but his underlines were really good. His underlying numbers were really good. So uh, a guy like him may have a breakout in sophomore year. And so I, I see them as a huge wild card where it wouldn't surprise me if they made the playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me if they crash and burn. Uh, also, um, especially now without Lundquist, at least to kind of help stabilize on the veteran presence side of things with Shisterkin and Georgiev and, and goal. Uh, they do have some solid talent, but in terms of leadership as a whole with an ex- extremely young roster, uh, it could be interesting. So, I mean, Panera is r- ridiculous. He could have easily won the heart last year. Uh, and and he's only getting, you know, the, the the pieces around him are only getting better. So, yeah, I agree. I think they could be a, a wild card option. I think I'm, I'm having a hard time fully committing uh, to them as being like a playoff team. But I also wouldn't be surprised either if everything goes exactly according to plan. Uh, I think they could,
1: yeah. I mean, honestly, to me, I think they're they're like the five or six to me. Like I can see them battling with a, a couple teams, but again, like I think they're too young, honestly. Um I feel like overall, they have a lot of guys that are just unwritten. You don't know what you're gonna get from them. Um, it's kind of just like, you know it's it's up in the air at this point. Like I'm not necessarily sure right now what to say about them because again, they're they're so. Far off, I mean, like, well, I shouldn't say that, because they're not that far off. I think in two, three years, they're going to be, watch out, because they're going to be deadly. But, um, you know, I I think it's going to be tough to see, you know, that young of a team, and, you know, counting on that many young guys to take you into, really, like, into a playoffs, uh, um, especially in a shortened season, where if they start to, you know, if if they have a tough beginning of the season, you know, there really is no room for error, and and that's just not for the Rangers. That's really for all the teams. Um, you know, the Flyers can start off slow. Nobody can. Uh, you, you know, they can need to be ready from the hop. And obviously, Tyson, as you said earlier, with no preseason, it's harder. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I think overall, I think it's going to be some of it is so neck and neck. And honestly, I feel like any prediction I give at this point is never wrong. Abadeo. you know that. Um, because again, I think last year we did predictions for about the first month of the season. And I think I was almost negative at one point. Um, (laughs) I might've ended negative to be honest with you, but overall, I mean, I really don't know what the Rangers, I think they're kind of unwritten at this point. Um, I mean, it looks like they're starting goaltender tenor for next year has, you know, he's looked at as one of the top goalies in the league to some people and he's played 12 NHL games. So I'm really not too sure how to think because I think there's a lot of people that are over hyping them. And I think there's a lot of people that might be under hyping them. I'm really not too sure, to be honest. Um, but overall, I, I I think I think they'll be in that five, six range. Um, I honestly don't know, because, again, are, are they better than Buffalo? Are they better than, you know, a, a team like Pittsburgh? I really don't know. So I think it's tough.
0: Yeah. It's just like there are some teams in this division that you can't factor out. You can't factor out Washington just because of that core. You can't factor out Pittsburgh just because of that core. Even though I do think Pittsburgh's goaltending got a lot weaker, you, you still can't factor out Crosby and Malkin. That's just, you can't do that. And just looking around at the other teams in the division, the Islanders, they got Barry Trotz, and they play very well under his type of system. They're a team that probably will make the playoffs. The Flyers, they were a team that proved themselves last year, and they got a lot better as the season went along. You can't count the Flyers out. Like really, the only team you can count out are the Devils. Maybe yeah. you, like I said, you could throw Buffalo into that conversation. But Buffalo, I do feel like is going to be a lot better this year. Not saying they're going to be playoff better. They're going to be a lot better than they were last year, though. But it's like what do you said? What, what you said, Chris? There's no room for error this entire season. No. If you go on one little skid, that can honestly ruin your season.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's four games is huge. Like if if a team gets like a four or five game losing streak, you're screwed. That's 10 points. That's eight to 10 points in a game. And, you know, and that's already, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, it really isn't, I mean, it, it's tough.
2: And the Devils, like you said, they did get deeper. Like,
1: no. in
2: other words, like Jack Hughes had the first overall pick in 2019. He had a rough year last year as a rookie, a hard transition. Who isn't to say he got bigger and stronger in this off season, which is the rumor. Mm-hmm. And, he actually looks like the guy that we all thought the Devils were getting first overall this year, um, with extended time off and adding Ryan Murray and Ty Smith is likely to make their roster. He's a 20-year-old defenseman who's stellar, who had an amazing WHL career. I believe won more than more than one defenseman of the year in the league. Um, jumping in as a 20-year-old, likely a third pairing guy. So there's just so many things where even you look at the Devils and I'm like, well, if Subban say bounces back even a little bit. Uh, and and they stay healthy, like they could still give teams a run. There's not going to be any easy games at all uh in that division. That is for sure.
0: Yeah, just bringing in the other comments from today, and this is coming from Sean once again, talking about going back to the Islanders series when we were talking about the physicality aspect. He thinks that their lack of physicality showed against the Islanders in the playoff series last year. It seems like they lost a lot of the puck battles. And yeah, is- just... Going into that playoff series, there was so much time off. It was like what Chris said before that. It was a tale of two different Flyers teams. Yeah, the Flyers from the regular season and the Flyers from the playoffs. That's why you got you can't look at one specific aspect. You have to look at both of those equally because the Flyers were just completely two different teams yeah. from regular season and playoffs. So, and then looking at some other comments right here. This is one I like a lot right here from Tales of a Failed Life. I personally am looking forward to this season's oddness. This is a once in a lifetime thing that you can tell your kids about hopefully it's once in a lifetime. And honestly, yeah, this is going to be a weird season. It's, it definitely is going to be. With what the NFL is going through right now, there's like they they're getting through the season, but there's like it feels like every week there's like a new team that's going circles through a different strike in COVID. But they're they're finding the way to get through it. In NBA, they just got underway, so let's see. If the NHL can find some way to pull this off, I believe they are going to. There's definitely gonna be some bumps. But how are the Sixers doing Amadeo? They're the Sixers. They are the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It, it's funny. As much as I love all Philadelphia teams, I love making fun of them as well, just because they oh, yeah. they make it so easy.
1: Yeah. They make it so easy. So some of it is just so like it- it's just, it's like not even predictable at this point. You just know what's going to happen, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because you get the Eagles eliminated against the Dallas Cowboys out of all damn teams. Mm-hmm. And then the Sixers, they started off with two wins and then they followed up with, even though even though they're three and one right now, yeah, two out of those four games, they played absolutely terrible. It, it's just, oh my God, the Philadelphia sports, Jesus Christ. And here we got another question from Sean right here talking about, like, what's going on in the stadium. Are we going to do the prop cutout boards this season at the Wells Fargo Center? <laughs> Will that be very intimidating to some teams? That would be honestly funny. Remember the uh, petition at the Flyer, I think, Gritty and uh, Kevin Hayes put out to have Gritty in the you know, Wells Fargo Center?
1: Could you imagine they just had every seat in the lower bowl cut out with Gritty's face on it and then <laughs> had him yeah. just walking around? What's the it,
0: it, I mean, it would be like a fanatic, too, in the Citizens yeah. Bank Park.
2: <laughs> it's- it's going to be so interesting because I was reading this week that Nashville will have fans and Florida will have fans. So the Panthers announced, I think, yeah, I think, I think Florida can have 25% capacity, Nashville, wow. like 15% capacity. Um, so,
1: I really want to make this joke right now, but Florida, I do. It, I do. It's, it's, it's just really like the same thing every year. I, I mean, mean, I mean 25% 25% right. that's how much yeah. they fill. That's yeah. how much I they think
2: fill on gonna- every basis. I think the number is going to be about five thousand, uh, which will be only about five thousand less than normal. So,
0: <laughs> and then we got another uh, little quip right here from Sean talking to Chris about his predictions. So if uh, Chris tells you that it's going to be sunny the next day, bring your umbrella. He's that, right. That, that was Chris's luck with the predictions good, last year. I'm
1: not on the news because those guys, man. Oh God, sometimes they are so off. It's like. <laughs> i Remember when it snowed like a couple weeks ago? Yes. They said eight to ten inches. I think we got like
0: at least maybe, maybe two.
1: Yeah, it, it was like <laughs> it seemed like it, it looked like it was going to be that, and I ended up coming picking up.
0: No, that's that's the thing every year during the winter every the every, they'll, they'll say we're getting a snowstorm it's going to be what at least a foot of snow it never turns out that way i remember
1: a couple i remember a couple years ago they said they were going to get like 27 inches and we got like half an inch
0: the, the last true snowstorm that i actually remember in this damn city was when i know we're completely off topic at this point but it's fun but uh <laughs> the last true snowstorm that i remember was when i was in sixth grade and it snowed the entire damn week. And I was off from school the entire damn week. That's the last true snowstorm. We got like so many feet of snow. It was unbelievable. And honestly, it hasn't been the same since that time. But like that, like that's my snow rant right there. <laughs> in, the, in the weather rant right there. <laughs> and we got another comment from Sean right here. Sean is commenting a lot. Thank you very much right there, Sean. He, his one hope is that by the playoffs, we can have actual human beings in attendance, need the atmosphere and electricity in the buildings. And that goes right to that topic directly with some of the teams right now. They are going to be allowing fans. And I feel like that's going to be something that's discussed as we get into the warmer months, as we get into March, as we get into April, as we get into May, even closer towards the playoffs. That's definitely something that's going to be discussed. That's going to Right now, I would say majority of the teams up north, they're not going to be allowing fans, especially the Canadian teams. They're not going to be allowing fans. It's mostly going to be teams more in the south because that's where a lot of the football teams are allowing fans. A lot of the basketball teams are maybe, I think, they're allowing fans. I'm not even sure, actually, what the NBA is doing right there. I know with California, that's a whole other story. Tyson, I know you're more familiar with California since you're closer to there. Like, what's the deal okay. with the California teams, and like specifically like San Jose and those teams?
2: I think they still don't know. About San Jose in particular, um, we'll find out about Los Angeles and Anaheim soon. I think. I think it's been pretty quiet. There hasn't been much news. But um, in terms of COVID-19, LA County is slammed. I mean, they've been out of ICU beds for a couple of weeks. So I think that they are—they're not likely to do anything uh, that would in- potentially increase those odds. Though they are talking about putting students back in school in February. So um, I'm not really sure how those things are going to correlate, but. I mean, I—I mean, California teams, no way they're going to have fans. Um, I know there's still talk of trying to figure out where San Jose is going to be. I believe, you know, I, I, they're let, allowing the Lakers to play uh, in the Staples Center. Uh, I believe they're going to do the same for the Kings. Uh, I believe the Ducks will be okay where they're at, at least to start with. So it's mostly the Sharks, and um, I think there's hope there that they'll have something figured out uh, and and by the time, you know, training camp officially starts. Um, so, yeah, it's... Still, kind of a West Coast in particular now is kind of a, a mess. And and they're a little late to the game on getting kids in school. They're a little late to the game on making decisions regarding sporting events. Um, so I think we'll still have to kind of wait on that front. Um, I'm north in Canada too. I think they just finally cleared this past week uh, with the Canadian government collectively how they're going to do that in each province. So it does look like it's a go. There was a, a, a lot of questions surrounding travel because in Canada you can't travel uh, between provinces without doing a two-week quarantine. So if you were the Leafs normally and say you go play Winnipeg, you got to do a two-week quarantine uh, when you get there and then a two-week quarantine when you come home. Um, that's what's expected. So uh, I think they're going to try to give them an exception. Uh, that's kind of what's been rumored anyway, uh, but they're going to have a lot stricter guidelines for when they get home. So thankfully they've I think they've been able to work some of those things out, but Uh, Time will tell. And I think we're going to see, as we've seen now, just states will or provinces will change rules and they'll change as we get more data on uh, the spread of this thing and and whether the vaccine is actually starts to take away number of cases and what that looks like. I think it could be an interesting sort of play, Um, but it's going to take a while, unfortunately, still. And there's a chance that we could see something like San Jose starting in Arizona, finishing in San Jose or or even vice versa. It's kind of like a who knows.
1: Yeah, and, and and honestly, it makes me think like that is going to be so weird. It's not even funny because it really makes me think how they do the ice and everything. Like, is it just going to be all coyote stuff, or is it going to be like they switch it up with the sharks? Yeah, like it, it's it's just going to be so weird. I don't know. It, it's just it like a lot of that stuff makes me think because I know that they're able to like you know obviously like we've seen it before with the basketball and the hockey arena like they they like Wells Fargo Center example. They switched around from basketball to the Flyers. They were able to do that. But, like, I really don't know. Like, I feel like they, they have to keep the ice. Like, once it's painted, it doesn't come off, right? It's just the – because usually the baseball court goes on top. So, yeah. I'm not too sure how, how they would do that if they just keep – like, they play in Arizona on Arizona's ice or, or what. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a rumor, too, that the Sharks – Elliot Friedman reported last week that the Sharks may actually start in Kansas City. Missouri really? because they, they don't have any restrictions. Uh, Kansas City has an actual arena that they could play in that's owned by the same owner as the Sharks. So, in other words, it'd be a kind of natural progression to to move them over there. But again, you got players and families. Like, I don't know that people that are living in uh, the Bay Area are necessarily uh, jumping at the gun to move to Kansas City, Missouri. But uh, yeah. there's been stranger things. I mean, the NBA, the Toronto Raptors are playing Tampa Bay this year. Right. Um, so, and the and then the Blue Jays played in Buffalo. So, uh, that's a potential option. Though I I do think they're going to end up in San Jose. But uh, I also think it would be kind of cool to see you know if some of these markets didn't work out. I mean, there's a huge list of potential NHL markets available to the general public. Like I think Austin, Texas has been rumored for years, uh, last few years as being a place that wants an expansion roster. Houston, Texas, uh, even San Antonio, Texas. You got three huge cities there. Uh, that have less restrictions that they could jump into if they really wanted to. Um, Kansas City, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, there's a lot of cities that have some sort of following of hockey. I mean, Canada, Quebec City, right, Um, that they could just jump back into. And uh, I think if teams got creative on that front, it would be kind of fun to see as well. It would be cool to see a team. I mean, I think it would be cool to see a team play in Austin, Texas, or, uh, or Portland, where I live. I mean, we got a full Moda Center here. There's a WHL team that just pushed their season back. They play where the bla- Portland Trail Blazers play. They put the ice down. They put the boards over top, like you said, Chris. Um, kind of with the Flyers and 76ers, they already have that set up. It's already a yeah. uh, professional arena. The Winterhawks have dressing rooms in there that they use when they play. And mm-hmm. uh, it'd be easy for a team to jump in there. I mean, that place yeah. can hold up to 19,000 people. It's a beautiful facility, professional facility. So there uh, could be potential opportunities for even growth in the game right now, which, you know, obviously these are – Trying difficult times across the board. It's weird right. to talk about openings and and not and the data possibly constantly, constantly shifting, surrounding what's best or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it could be some cool opportunities to see some newer markets kind of tap into what's going on.
0: Again, speaking of like, there's one comment from the comment section right here. Another one from Sean saying, "Move the Panthers to Quebec, reinstate the Nordiques." Uh, honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs>
1: I It would make me – you know, and it's funny that everybody says that because could you imagine the Avs, like, they get the reverse retro Nordiques yep. and then they move them to Quebec? Like, yes. everybody would be, in, in, like, in such a tizzy over that. It's not even funny. Like, just, just over them moving them and then, like, they – wait, and one thing I want to ask. I don't know if you guys saw this, but if you've played NHL 21, they have the updated uniforms. Have you seen the Avalanche uniforms for this year? They're like for their their Adidas away jersey. Their pants and their gloves are blue. They changed that. They did. They they have blue pants this year and blue gloves. Interesting. I never saw that. Honestly. Oh my god! It looks horrible on the away jersey. (laughs) It looks horrible. It's so bad. I'm. I'm serious. When you're done in Tyson, I don't know if you have NHL too, but if you do, yeah. Anybody (laughs) listening, please. Go to the avalanche and look at their away jersey, it looks horrible. Oh, god, they have blue pants with the maroon and the white jersey. They have, I think, they have it with uh the reverse retro too, and it's also with uh I don't remember what it is. I think it's and then they, I think they said they were changing their alternate logo, like you know, how they have the, the they have that C logo, yeah, they were supposed to change it to the logo from their stadium series game which that could be something too, like they have that that dark blue but again i saw that i was like and i'm playing the game i'm like is this a glitch that's like, that's you know, what, what i'm thinking like, right there that's yeah. what i thinking. like like it can't like, be though because it's it's all updated like they even had a patch for it
0: it's it's weird because like you would you probably see the avalanche like say something like that oh we're changing our I pants they for did. This year. did they
1: I think they did, yeah. Uh,
0: That that is something I have to research once this podcast is over. I'm probably gonna research the next time you guys talk right there (laughs) because that's like something that's like boggling my mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because I've seen it before. Like I follow a couple avalanche accounts on Instagram, like just like people I've met and stuff, and they've talked about it too. And it's been like reported by Avalanche Media, and I'm like, well, I guess it's true, but I don't follow any of these guys on Twitter, so like. I don't know if it's true or not, but again, I mean, I'm not too sure. It makes me think if it's in NHL and if it's an updated roster and everything and, and the game's updated, I have to think it's the actual thing because why would they not put the, you know, the full uniform in the game? That just doesn't make sense to me. So, again, I mean, we've seen – obviously, they had the update for the, for the uh, you know, the reverse retros. They had to, you know, add those in there and things like that. And then they had the – they actually had a patch on there too for the Senators one um, which was one of the bugs they had on. Apparently the logo was not looking right or something. It's I, it was, I think the glitch with that was it was actually their old logo. And when, <laughs> when I say the old one, it was the the one they previously just had this past season. It was
0: that logo on the reverse retro jersey, which I thought uh, was hilarious. <laughs> that actually is pretty funny. <laughs> and just to... Uh move on from because we've been talking about the schedule a lot there's like so much things you can talk about the schedule right here we'll definitely get more into depth as we get closer and closer towards the season there's just like there's so many like storylines that you can draw out from this schedule that's like it's not enough to talk about in one podcast episode so maybe in a maybe definitely in a next episode when we get closer and closer towards maybe our season preview we'll definitely get looking into this schedule more in depth But I want to move towards the World Juniors right now because they are underway, and they have been exciting. There's been a lot of lopsided games, but exciting nonetheless. So Tyson and Chris, just looking at the entire World Juniors as a whole right now, like how have you felt about them and just looking at the Flyers' prospects too, Cam York, Bobby Brink, and maybe the few instances that you might see Emil Andre playing for Sweden. Like what are your thoughts on them? So Tyson, I want to get your thoughts right there first. What are your thoughts on the World Juniors as a whole? And also the few Flyers prospects that are playing right now.
2: Yeah, I've I've watched, I've recorded every game. i watched pretty much every game so far. Uh, if not, I, I was up way early this morning, kind of flipping through video again, because uh, I love it. But yeah, it's this year has been interesting. It's been a year where a team like Canada or even the U.S. has had players on the roster that maybe wouldn't normally have normally been released because the NHL season is not happening. So, like, Trevor Zegers is leading the, the whole tournament in points. I'm not sure if he'd be on the Ducks at this point. I, I had him as a bubble prospect, as maybe he can make the Ducks, likely to start on their AHL team, but he likely was not going to be released for this tournament normally. Um, just like in Canada, I mean, before Kirby Doc got hurt, that was the case for him. Peyton Krebs, who has been pretty quiet, but Vegas had him penciled in on a, a winger position. Bowen Byram. Uh, the, who's been rotating as Canada's captain, best blue liner on, and likely in the entire tournament, uh, I think, um, in terms of talent overall, uh, would likely be competing for an Avalanche spot. Um, just a ridiculous defender. So you just have all these guys on teams like Canada, United States, even a couple on Sweden, like Victor Soderstrom, their top blue liner, who is a Arizona pick that is likely going to start the season with them. They're in the tournament because there is no NHL, and they likely wouldn't be. And uh they wouldn't be otherwise. And then you have teams like Switzerland and Germany and Austria that either have been. If you're Germany, they got Austria,
1: man. Uh, I, I just Austria, I, I feel bad for them.
2: Yeah, like I watched the game.
1: Like, Jesus Christ, these guys <laughs> can catch a break. No, they have, <laughs> like their goaltenders have been insane. Yeah, like like I, I just can't. Oh God, it, it's insane. I mean, they literally have maybe one NHL prospect in Rossi. I think that's it. Yep. And the other guys, I don't even know if they'll ever sniff the NHL. Honestly, I really don't know too much about their team.
2: No, they won't. I mean, and that's, what's hard about this tournament is, is, you know, they have their, no one will be relegated this year, but in the past they'll have a relegation, right? So the worst team in the world juniors will get bumped down a level. I think they call it like the world junior a championship and world junior B championship. Mm -hmm. But uh, so what oftentimes will happen is like a team like, say, Austria with Marco Rossi will get bumped up because they'll dominate the B tournament uh, and then they'll make the A. And then now this year, uh, some of their players graduated and they have a lot of underage guys and just Rossi and they're brutal. So uh, that's why we've seen so many blowouts. Um, But it has been fun, too. I mean, even Slovakia only has, I believe, like two uh, drafted NHL prospects. On the whole roster, and they gave Canada a pretty good run the other day. So, uh, Canada only beat 3 1. So, um, regardless, it's just fun to watch. I mean, you see the passion in the, in the younger players, even you know, without crowds and that sort of thing. Um, it's a pretty <laughs> glorious, <laughs> yes, that's how I feel exactly. That's the goal horn, <laughs> the I I I is, goal is like my least favorite. Oh my
1: god, <laughs> I, I saw that meme the night of the 16 2 seven one in the 11 nothing games with canada germany yes. and austria us and i literally sat here in my room and i just came up i just came up from doing the game and i'm about to make the video and i see this i was crying laughing for like five minutes <laughs> it was so i thought it
2: was a i've been watching with my kids and my son thought it was a fire truck every time just running to the window. He's like, "Dad, is it fire truck?" I'm like, "No, it's not a fire truck." It's
1: nah, a
0: so, horse. so, so for people who are listening to this on Apple and other podcasting platforms who aren't watching the live stream, so right now we, we put a picture up on screen screen that's basically a meme right now of the offices Michael Scott making that like typical like his mad face, like he looks really pissed off, and the quote says, "Hockey fans after hearing the Oilers' goal horn 38 times during that day." And I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like before the oilers moved into their new arena their goal horn was fine in Rexall place but then once they moved into rogers it's just like what the hell happened to the goal horn <laughs> they made it worse yeah. i don't know how that's possible it, it stinks it's
1: it's it's bad i mean it, i think it's up there as one of the worst goal horns in the league <laughs> yes. that that, can, that topic could literally be an episode in itself
0: that could be that could honestly be a topic in itself. We would have our own podcast episode. We would have, hopefully, the share screen without any internet connection issues right there. And then we would play the audio in then time and just rank each goal horn. That, that, that would be an interesting episode. But <laughs> <It would be. laughs> honestly, right now, just quick quick question. Who do you think is the best goal horn in the league? No bias. No bias involved. The abs. Oh, yeah. The abs.
1: The abs. I the love abs. their goal horn. It's so deep. Oh, it's great. I love the crowd behind it too. Like it's awesome. Yeah.
2: Did you say the Habs or the Abs?
1: Avalanche, sorry. Avalanche. Abs. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
2: like the Montreal Canadian ones, uh, even Thank as a Leafs fan. Uh, I think that it's kind of classic and uh, it sounds, I don't know. It always, for some reason, always evokes emotion in me. Most of the other ones I'm kind of like meh about, but that one I, is always memorable.
0: I'm trying to think to myself, like, what's the best go- my favorite? Go- Honestly, I think it's just I think it's for overall, I think I like St. Louis's goal horn the best. I just I don't know why. Now St. the worst Louis.
1: the worst one I've ever heard live was Pittsburgh. Oof. That goal <laughs> horn is horrible. And every time they got that stupid let's go pens chant, oh my god, that is just oh, it's terrible. I I, I just can't stand it. It's probably because I'm so, – It's obvious. obviously, it's because I'm such a Flyers fan. I don't like
0: it, but, oh, God, that, that horn live is bad. It really is. <laughs> I think the only other goal horn that I've heard live was Los Angeles's when I was in L.A. a couple of years ago. Honestly, I w- at first I was like, eh, the goal horn's it's okay. But when I was there, I was like, oh, my God, this thing is loud. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think it was this loud. La- Imagine going to Vegas with how loud that arena is in general, just hearing the – won the speaker system and the goal horn. It's just like, I feel like you'll go deaf listening <laughs> to a game in Vegas. <laughs>
2: exactly. Winnipeg. Winnipeg is crazy because their, oh their arena it's has such a wild. low... No. Oh, it has such a low roof and it doesn't hold that many people as the least number of, of people. So it's like, it's loud anyways and then it's just <laughs> all condensed. So everything is like... I used to go to AHL games there when I was a kid and back when the Manitoba Moose were there after the Jets moved to Arizona. Um and it was just brutal. Uh absolutely brutal in terms of how loud it would get in there. So it was as bad as going to a uh, like college football game with the Oregon Ducks yeah. and uh when you can't hear yourself think for I don't know four hours or whatever. It's it's very yeah. similar in that environment.
1: Yeah, honestly, uh,
0: I, I, go ahead, Chris.
1: I honestly I like I've been to some Flyers games where it's been laid like that. Like I can't even hear myself think. Like if they like if they've gotten that like they've had some games where it hasn't been like it, like it doesn't like remind you of a game that's like oh the crowd's gonna be really loud like it wasn't a playoff game wasn't a, I've only been to one playoff game and they got shut out so I didn't even get to hear the horn of the crowd whatever and that kind of stunk but some of the games I've been to where like they've went to overtime or scored late in the third period that place gets loud <laughs> like honestly I think the loudest game that I might have heard from and that was this was just through the TV I, I'm Dale I think you are actually there this year. It was the game they won 5-1 against the Rangers at home and Sanheim tied it late in the second and Hayes scored. And that was like, for a while, everybody was talking about the attendance this past year because they had really weird attendance numbers for being such a good team.
0: And we talked about this on like one episode like so long ago in the past. I I think Hunter Brody was on during that time and like we were talking about the attendance issue. And honestly, it was only really just one game where the attendance issue was really just evident. And that was just one yeah. game against the Anaheim Ducks. That was basically yeah.
1: it. Yeah. And that was the game because everybody looked at that game, like for, cause it was Limblom. They had Limblom there and it was uh, the, uh, was that, was that was hockey fights cancer night, wasn't it? Uh, I
0: think that was hockey fights cancer night. night I don't remember
1: if it was hockey fights cancer night or they just had a night for Limblom. I can't remember.
0: It might've been both. It, yeah, yeah. It, could, it probably it honestly might've been both.
1: Um, well, no, hockey fights cancer night is usually in November, and
0: that game was in December, so that wouldn't mm. make sense. Okay, okay. Um, it was a separate night just for because yeah. they because they wore the hockey fights cancer for Limblom. yeah, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. it now more,
1: yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it was literally over a year ago, but um, you know, it, it's funny because they had um, you know, like I got there late that night, um, and honestly, like. I remember because I was like, I got down there and the, the bottom bowl didn't look like it was filled, but they were taking pictures up top and everything. And it was like completely empty. But then like, I feel like, honestly, like I think the one of the reasons might have been as stupid as it sounds. Well, it's not really stupid, but, you know, the, the traffic was bad that night because I didn't get there till halfway through the first period. And it was just like, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just took a long time to get there. And that might have been one of the reasons, but I remember like around that time it was Christmas and stuff, so that could have been a factor. I'm really, I really don't
0: know to be honest. I, I think it was like the week of, the week of or the week before Christmas that game, so like that can also add to why there was so little attendance that game. And also added, it was the Anaheim Ducks. It was a California team that's not really going to draw attendance. So you you got to add all of those factors in. So and the going back to the World Juniors, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Cam York, Bobby Brink, and those players. Yeah. So Chris, I want to start with you. With the past few games that USA has played, Cam York and Bobby Brink have started to uh, shine a little more, especially with Cam York, even before the World Juniors being named the captain of Team USA. So I want to get your thoughts on Cam York and Bobby Brink. So, Chris, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, um, I I, I guess just to start off as York as being the captain, it's a great honor to see him get that, to be honest with you. Um, From what I've seen from York this year, he's unbelievable. Uh, Just this tournament alone. Um, I know in yesterday's game uh, against the Czechs, he had three assists uh, all in the third period. Um, He's played top line minutes just about every night. He's been that number one defenseman. He was on the second pair of these last two games against Austria and the Czechs, but he's pretty much gotten first line minutes. He played, I believe around 18, 20 minutes in both games. So he's, he's pretty much played with, I th- honestly think he's been up there with a lot of the guys he's played with. He's played with Faber. He's played with Sanderson for a little bit. Uh, he also did play with Thurn as well. So he's been playing with most of the guys. As for Brink, um, he's been on that line with Brad and Farinacci, and they've been stellar. Uh, they had uh, Brink did have two goals in, in yesterday's game versus the Czech. I didn't think Brink honestly had – I honestly yeah. thought Brink was not great against uh, Russia. He just like – was nowhere to be found and that it was a little bit concerning because it was like I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more of him as for the game versus Austria I thought I personally thought he was terrible um I didn't see much of him he didn't look like at times he honestly didn't even look like he could really hold his stick right to be honest and I, and I know it sounds like cheesy whatever but it just looked like there were times where he kind of gave up on plays he was kind of getting bodied around at times so a lot versus Russia um and Australia, it was kind of those games where like he had a couple chances to score, but that was really it. He didn't really do much else. And then that game against uh, the Czechs yesterday, he's was great. He played great. Um, I think that again that line, it's been like that grinder line. I feel like some of those guys are getting misused. Like Brink, I honestly think could play higher in the lineup. I don't think they'll change up the lines. They could, um, because again that line's been so good. Why would they change it? Um, I mean I believe in the whole tournament. I think they have ten points combined, and they're all plus four each. So that, that just shows you how good they've been. Uh, and overall, I think they'll most likely keep it together. As for Andre, um, he is playing third pair tonight, which is good because he was the seventh uh, against the game versus the Czech Republic, uh, and he didn't really play much. He had two shifts in the first period. Um, and I believe in the well, the last game they played against Austria in the 4 nothing win, he played top pair. Uh, he played really solid, played 20 minutes, 17 seconds. And overall, I thought he had a win really the game. And this past game, he got bumped up. Uh, well, this game coming up tonight against Russia, which is at 930 in a, a, um, around 25 minutes or so. Um, he's playing third parent tonight. So he gets bumped up a little bit. He gets rewarded for that past game. Um, and overall, I think it's been a good showing for the Flyers prospects and what I've seen overall. But uh, Tyson, I want to hear your thoughts on these guys. So,
2: Yeah, Brick is an an interesting one. His his biggest knock has always been kind of his skating strides. When so you mentioned even like the holding a stick thing. That's kind of been his, his MO is like he's – doesn't skate like quote unquote normal, uh, yeah. in many
1: ways. He's it's just a, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, you watch him all the time and he looks, he just looks slightly off. Uh, but then in the midst of it, he always finds a way to put up points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a, he's a unique prospect in the sense of like, he has some offensive skill, uh, that we've seen. He scored two goals the other day. Um, but he scored them not from like quote unquote goal scoring areas so much as, like through in what we call it, like kind of the dirty areas. So he isn't afraid. He's he's very tenacious on the forecheck when he wants to be. Uh, just always buzzing, kind of in deep. he has some pretty good passes as well, right through the neutral zone in that game as well, kind of showing his offensive flair. So I think too, sometimes in a tournament like this, like in Denver, he's a top line right winger, and so you go from yeah, you're top line right winger to like yeah. third line right winger in a double. And, and that's the
1: thing. Yeah, and, right. I, and kind of just to go off of it too, it's like. And again, I I don't mean to cut you off, but like, if you think about it, like it's weird because he's put in that position where he's already one of their best players. And then he has to go to a deep USA team, especially on the, on that, that top front on those first two lines where it's like, he could be playing up there, but again, they're just so, they're so good where like, I wish he could get more minutes, but again, he's had a really, uh, what is so funny?
0: (laughs) Thank you, Hunter. I saw that comment at the end, right there, in the middle of your talking. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> if, for people that are listening to this on <laughs> Apple and Spotify, so my buddy Hunter just commented on here. He says, "I want to trade Carter Hart." <laughs> uh, Hunter, what the hell are you talking about, right there, buddy? <laughs>
1: But uh, yeah, I mean, kind of just to go, <laughs> kind of just to go. Thanks, Hunter. Now I'm going <laughs> to through this whole thing. Uh, kind of just to go off of it too. I mean, I, I feel like he could, he honestly could play higher in the lineup. I don't, I, and again, I, I know I just did bring it up, but it, it it makes me think if they do break up that line, I don't think they will. Um, I mean, they are going into a tough game against Sweden, so it could be something, but I'm not really too sure. But again, I feel like they've kind of misused Brink a little bit. I mean, I think they did last year too. I mean, he played real low on that team. Um, I think he honestly was playing fourth line for most of it. So I, I wish he could get used a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Well, and this that's what makes this tournament so hard is that it has, a nav- it has an international spotlight. I mean, yeah. the NHL Network, you can watch it on Canada, TSN, basically their version of ESPN. It's everywhere. Uh, everybody's paying attention to it, even in European countries. And so it's easy in this like kind of seven game format, more or less, to kind of like – you know, look at a guy say like Brink or something like that, or even Andre, like you're like, man, he's only playing mostly third pairing, you know, 70 minutes. Uh, but then, you know, over the course of, of what could be in a year or two, like we could be laughing at this. I mean, I was watching old old video leading up to this, and there's this Canada team where this guy stood out. His name is Stefan Del Rovere, who even knows that name, right? Um, so it's there's always guys like that that kind of will will shine in the mid center. Bob uh, Bob Gepford. he was a USA goalie. Uh, never, I think he the highest level he played was East Coast League, and was a star at the World Juniors. So uh, again, you know, Tyler Parsons, he won a gold for World Juniors for uh, USA. He hasn't been able to to barely play in the AHL for the Flames, uh, even though he was a second rounder and considered to be a really solid prospect for a while there. So World Juniors always kind of hit or miss. Um, but it, is. nonetheless, it's still fun to watch and still, you know, fun to keep track of. I, I have similar to you with Cam York. Uh, just a, a few thoughts on him is that I like how, you know, you see video from Michigan and he looks really dynamic with frequency, like crashing the net, running the power play. Uh, now that he's not doing some of those things on USA, but he's playing a pretty safe game. He's, he's just kind of moving the hook up quick. Um, and just making really smart decisions for the most he's part done that
1: all year with Michigan too. I mean, he's just yeah. right, very quick through the boards. I mean, right there.
2: And I think that's a good sign because it means that he's showing his versatility too, where, um, he's recognizing right now, like, okay, I probably need to play a little safer. Uh, I can trust my forwards to carry the puck and I don't have to be this offensive juggernaut right now. And he's adapting his game as such. And so I've appreciated seeing that, uh, in his game. So again, like it's crazy. Thinking about the Flyers, you know, looking at their depth chart, how young they are. Uh, even on the blue line in particular, we're talking about two more blue line prospects. Uh, with a blue line that has a bunch of guys that are still under 25. So um, the future is still really bright. And uh, it's been cool to see um, in the World Juniors.
0: And one thing I want to pass to you guys, if you want to know something that's funny, you know how much like a couple of times how we make fun of ESPN mm-hmm. and their like lack of knowledge with hockey. You yeah. know, you want to know something that actually like surprised me a couple of days ago. They actually showed highlights from the World Juniors. I was like, wow. what? Yeah, you're Trying
2: to get an NHL contract, that's what
0: they are. <laughs> it's funny too because if you're not a hockey fan, you don't know what the World Juniors are. Honestly, like, no. I think that's just that's just one of the things.
1: I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like what's that i was like oh never mind
2: unless you're, <laughs> unless you're canadian <laughs> then it's like
1: yeah it's like i don't unless... know
2: if you guys knew this but in canada the 26th of december is boxing day as yeah. they call it so it's like on boxing day is when uh can most things are still shut down in canada in a lot of instances and everyone just watches world juniors all day <laughs> so that's what we grew up doing we just watched world juniors it's like popcorn beer poutine i don't know that sounds very stereotypical but uh and just watching world juniors all day until and then you just basically shut down if you can until new year's or everyone's watching it at work and that's what i grew up doing so um yeah even i mean none of my a lot of my family doesn't watch any hockey at all watches only world juniors every year
0: so i mean yeah i mean that's a great pastime right there watching the world like it's like we get be either canadian or just a hockey fan unless you're you're, if you're not two of those things you don't know what the world juniors are and thankfully (laughs) we have a canadian joined us right here we're all hockey fans (laughs) world juniors are a great thing to watch and to get to some of our last talks on the day with some updates that are going on with the nhl right now there are some a little bit of heartbreaking things to talk about we all know with Hendrick Lundquist, he had to sit out this season because of his heart condition. He is now getting open heart surgery. So hopefully everything's the best with him mm-hmm. and prayers to him. And now we also find out that the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves, he is also going to miss some times too due to a really just unknown condition, that he, medical condition that he has right now. So he is going to miss some time. So that's some... It, that's difficult to see right there. And in the NHL with COVID and everything that there are allowing players to opt out, even though Taves hasn't quote unquote opt out of the season yet, it's still like hard to see that he's going through something right now. And that he's going to miss time. It's just that like, it's just like, man, I mean, that's uh, it, at this point, you just say prayers to you and just hopefully everything's the best and you can return to the ice in top shape. Like that that's just the one thing that you can hope at this point.
2: Yeah, I feel for Taves. I feel for both of them. But Taves in particular is known as a fitness juggernaut. Like yeah. a few years ago when he started to decline a little bit, like he hired all new trainers. He started this new kind of like meditation regime to try to help himself overall. Like his commitment level in terms of NHL players, in terms of what he does in the off season, is if it's not the top, it's pretty dang close. So when you see a player like that with that much commitment to his overall game in the off season, just be like, here's where I'm at with the amount of success. He's had it's really sad. So uh, he's been one of my favorites since he's been in the league. I have a couple of his jerseys and rookie cards and some autographs. And it just, uh, yeah, I mean, Lundquist too. Um, but in terms of Taves, it's just you, you know his fitness level, what he's known for. So if he's struggling with that, like that's – Obviously not something as simple as like, well, maybe he's just not feeling good for a month or two. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to take a while, especially with the Blackhawks likely now taking, um, yeah. missing the and top two centers. now that they don't
1: have him hey and Doc too. Yep. And, and it's funny to go off that too. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I uh, saw, but I guess listen to it. Kirby Doc said on TSN that he thought his stick broke. Yeah. Like the sound of his wrist, yeah. he thought his stick broke. And then he realized like that was his hand, like his wrist. Like I was like, oh my God, like, could you imagine like, oh, did my stick just break? Oh no, my hand is just like completely bent the other way. If you want
2: to know a crazy story, when I used to play that, actually literal same thing happened to me uh, where I went to, I went to hit somebody. I didn't get slashed. I went to hit somebody and I missed and I broke my stick and broke my wrist and cracked the bone and I didn't know because um, the glove was, the way the gloves are now, it was holding yeah. it in place. So I thought I jammed it. And I heard a snap and saw my stick was broken. And that I finished I finished the game until I went home and took my glove off when I got in the dressing room. And dro- and my, my wrist just dropped and started shaking like this. So <laughs> I was in a cast for like three months. It was ridiculous. They were like, Oof. what are you doing? I was like, I thought it was the stick. I thought I just jammed it. So it's, the wrists are weird. I... I've had more painful injury. Some people were like, was it that painful? And I was like, no, it actually wasn't.
1: Really? Uh, yeah. Wait, the, you were able to shoot and everything?
2: Yeah, I finished the game. I punched somebody else with it. I don't know. I wasn't yeah, sort of hat trick after it. But, uh, oh,
1: yeah. I just lit up the 10 scored six yeah. goals. <laughs> nothing nothing <laughs> different.
2: I wasn't that good. Um, I No, I, but I tore my ACL twice, and that was way more painful than a broken wrist. So. I don't know. I, I've, 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 and I've heard that from other people, so it's possible, but it's a, it's a weird injury. Those was It, it can be a little deceiving. So when he, when he said that, I was like, Oh yeah, that happened to me. And I didn't realize it till much later.
0: Yeah. That's uh, a, that, that's a, that sounds like a painful story right there, even though like you didn't feel any pain going through that, but like, just like some other stuff that's going around the league right now, we got some, Honestly, some signings that I didn't expect to happen, like a guy like Mike Hoffman signing a player tryout contract with the St. Louis Blues. Like Hoffman was one of the top free agents left on the market, and he signed the PTO. <laughs> Where does that come that is, from?
1: That's a flat cap COVID world for you,
2: or <laughs> or caps or convention is another yeah. way of putting it. Wait until yeah. they put the Steen on long term and, and Tarasenko on
0: LTIR. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning too, that Kucherov's going to be missing the entire season. That yeah, is... that's a big blow.
2: And that insane trade to pick up two guys whose careers are done as well. And Gabber getting traded again. Yeah. yeah, there's Nielsen just for the same thing. They'll just jump them to LTIR and
1: yeah, getting rid of Coburn and uh, Paul Kett, too. They get themselves like three million in cap. Yeah, yeah. On it, and it, and it's funny with Ottawa, like they they have like a complete NHL team right now. They do. <laughs> they get Coburn and Paul Kett. They get Derek Step on. Like, they've they've done some stuff these last few few days. And honestly, I could see them making the playoffs. I can. I could see them making it as the four. Like with their roster right now and some of the guys that they have, I legitimately could see them making the playoffs. I don't know if they will, but it, it could. It, I would not be surprised.
0: Eh, they'll be a fun team to watch, at least. Yeah, very okay. fun. Have some, and
2: some youth in there for sure. As well, yeah. and Stutzla yeah, in right. Germany
1: yeah. is probably going right. to make it, and yeah, yeah, obviously Brady Kachok. yep.
0: Mm-hmm. And just like looking at what Stutzla has done from like a really depleted Germany team in the World Juniors, like they're dressing 14 people Well, 14 skaters. <laughs> they dress he, 12 today, and they dress 12 today. Oh my goodness! And it's just like Stutzla is like probably just doing everything he can out there. Yeah, <laughs> he's playing 30,
2: 30 minutes yeah. a night. Yeah, 30 minutes yeah. as a forward. Who does that? Yeah. That's like Chris Pronger minutes as a forward.
1: <laughs> literally, he played 31 uh, the other night in that overtime winner against Slovakia. Obviously, it was overtime, but I don't know how long it was. Was it into the overtime when he scored? I don't
2: know. And he yeah, didn't uh, highlight a real goal today. And I think they clocked him at like 30, 50 minutes oh or God.
1: something like that. Yeah, that. That literally is Chris Pronger minutes. That, yeah. that, that. Probably gonna be close to like what Provorov will be getting in like a few years if it like the game goes like overtime or something. Mm-hmm. Like he had games last year where he had twenty eight, twenty nine, and that was in regulation. I mean, I'll, I'll, he,
0: it's weird with Provorov too because he can he can play like wherever, and you know the minutes with him is just unlimited. Provorov just doesn't step off the ice for one game; he uh-huh. plays an entire sixty minutes.
1: He just keep him out there the whole period.
2: <laughs> but yeah, think about it as a forward. That's what I I find unbelievable is that like. I played both defense and forward at sometimes. And so defense, you can play two minutes at a time, right? Because, you know, say you have possession in the in the offensive zone, you can kind of chill for a little bit, right? Yeah. You're at like 20%, 30% for a lot of the shift. You're rarely at full 100% capacity. But if you're a forward or center like him, he's pushing himself for most of the shift at like 80%. Back and,
1: forth and back yeah. and forth.
2: And then and then you're doing that for 30 minutes. It's in, I mean he's going to run into Ottawa. He's going to be like 10 steps ahead of all those guys in training camp, or, or even makes it for that to start the season if they put him in the roster.
0: Yeah, and another signing. You also got Corey Perry signing with the Montreal Canadiens as well. Andreas Anfinsenio he signs with the Los Angeles Kings. Derek Broussard, he goes to Arizona. There's like it's quite a few minor signings at this point. Yeah, Carl Soderberg signing with the Chicago Blackhawks. Anthony Sorelli re-signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ryan Miller re-signed with the Anaheim Ducks. Eric Hala went to Nashville. There, there's some minor signings that are going on. And it, it's it's still just like like what you said, Chris. We're in a capped like COVID world at this point. I'm still yep. like boggled that Mike Hoffman signs a PTO. And
1: I think the contract's coming out the one year four million. Really, I believe so, and I saw it reported the other day. I do not know by who as of right now. I'd have to go back and look, but overall, I mean, it, it's weird because the like the top goalie this year that got signed was Murray, money wise, and he got a what six point two five, something like that. I believe so, and six point two five or six point
2: five. Yeah, and,
1: like, yeah, and Holby got four point two. I don't even remember it was so. And long then, ago. I think Markstrom got the most out of all. Markstrom, the yeah. you're right. He Markstrom got six. Did, yeah. He had 6.5, Markstrom? I
2: think, I, think had so. six, I think he had 6. I think he was 6 on the dot. Oh,
0: really? I could have sworn. Was Murray I, 6 yeah. too? I think Markstrom got the longest term, I think, out of all the yeah. goaltenders that were signed.
1: Yeah, yeah. He got 6 years, right? Or 6-5. Yeah, six
2: I, got, years I think he got 6-6, six, six, I think. Yeah. yeah. Six,
0: six. I think it was something. And, like, there was, like, one signing that just, like, it completely, like, I just never knew happened. Like, the Devil's Day extended Mackenzie Blackwood to a three-year contract worth eight <laughs> I called
1: 1, that the other day. That was really like – I was like – I saw that like four hours after it happened. I was like, what? I just saw this. I was like, I, I didn't even know this happened.
0: <laughs> it, it was just like – it's like there's so many like minor signings that are going on right now. Like Anthony Duclair, he went to Florida. It's just like there's so – it's like so many little signings. They're not signing for so much. It's just like – it's not like popping to the eye. It's just like, oh, these players are just going to these teams. Okay. Big whoop, the NHL season is like almost underway. It's just like one of those situations that we got some... Before we wrap it up right here, we just bring in some more comments right here. We got Sean talking about how he hates ESPN and how hockey should stay with NBC Sports Network. And you never know. The contract with the uh, TV is ending soon, and the NHL does need to get a new TV contract, whether that's with NBC, whether that's with Fox, whether that's with ABC. You just never know what's going to happen. Who knows? Honestly, what, ch- what channel do you think picks up uh, the NHL after this contract ends? Do you think it's going to be NBC again, or do you think they're going to go to another network? I honestly think it'll be NBC again. I, I can't
1: see it going anywhere else, honestly. I mean, maybe maybe USA, but that that's probably not it. I don't know. I really don't know.
2: I think they would probably prefer to do more what NFL does in terms of, like, kind of sectioning do- off parts of it versus just yeah. like a straight-on, like... In Canada, for example, Sportsnet and TSN, like Sportsnet is the main provider, but TSN still shows a ton of playoff games. They still show a ton of regular season games. They have a ton of local contracts. Uh, I think they would probably prefer to do that. I think the more places that they can get out there uh, for viewers, the better. Especially with Seattle coming on board next year, I think they're going to be really pushing for uh, fans as a whole.
0: I can't wait for those late games there. Yeah. It would be insane. We got another comment right here from Ed saying that what pains me is he won't be watching the Winter Classic in the next two days. Yep. Yeah, that, that's that's gonna be weird. <laughs> that's definitely gonna be something weird right there. <laughs> and another funny comment from Sean right here. I'm just glad that Nate Thompson got locked up in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like one of those Flyers fans, like, okay, he comes to the team, he plays a bunch minutes, and now everyone hates him. <laughs> yep. He was just one of those players. Now, okay, everyone hates him. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Oh, my God. And we also got a final comment right here from Sean saying, Happy New Year to us. And just and, <laughs> uh, me, Tyson, and yes, even you, Chris. Hashtag Temple's finest. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, also, Chris, we, I guess we didn't ever mention this on the podcast, but you did get accepted into Temple. So congrats. I did, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, appreciate that. You're uh, gonna yeah. be the next big thing on campus.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's gonna be exciting. We'll be the uh, the guy with the walking camera.
0: <laughs> it's got <laughs> you got to take, take in my footsteps. Okay, yeah. I graduated from Temple <laughs> this past year. Now it's your turn. Yeah, it's my <laughs> turn. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is going to do it for this episode right here of the Florida podcast. Thank you to everyone who joined the live stream right now. And for people that weren't able to tune in here, it's always going to be on every podcast platform, wherever you listen to Apple, Spotify, it will be on those. Talk some nice things, Flyers schedule, world juniors, and some other NHL news signings, whatever. There was just so much things to talk about today. And there's definitely going to be a lot of things to talk about as we get closer and closer. Towards the start of the regular season, which is on January thirteenth, that's not that long away. Fourteen two days. days, two days away from twenty twenty one, and fourteen days away from the start of the NHL season. It's it's really exciting. It's really exciting. And any last remarks from I from both you, Tyson, and Chris before we end this episode off?
1: Uh I don't know. I mean, I just hope everybody has a happy New Year. I know this year kind of did stink with everything going on from COVID and to just everything in general. Um, but again, I, I hope all you guys had a happy new year. I, we, me and Amadeo and Tyson, we do appreciate you guys, um, you know, stick with us through, you know, everything, whether through the playoffs, the end of the regular season uh, and things like that. And we are uh, really excited for uh, 2020. So uh, happy new year. Uh, and thanks for us. Uh, stick it with us. Yeah, I just echo
2: that just excited for the season and thanks for, being with us throughout this, it's been—I'm new to this uh, this podcast, but it's been a great journey so far. So I to keep going as a, a actual live season takes place, we actually have tangible things to be reacting and talking about. So
0: live uh, things to talk about. Live it. Things. Yes, live. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin, we're happy to have you aboard here, Tyson. We're happy to be a part of the painted lines going into the new year. It's going to be very, very fun indeed. On the Painted Lines, we're gonna be live streaming every single Flyers game home and road. So don't forget to stay tuned for that. Don't forget to stay tuned for the Flyer podcast. Always live streaming here on the Painted Lines, always on TTP Sports and Flyers Fan Mania 93. Don't forget to check out those two channels as well for all of your Flyers updates and also for Philadelphia sports updates as well. Same thing here with the Painted Lines. So that's going to do it here. For this episode, in addition of the Fly It Up podcast, we all hope you guys have a wonderful new year, spending time with family whenever or however you're going to do it. Just enjoy your time and enjoy your ride into 2021. We all hope it's going to be fantastic. So thank you for watching this live stream of the Fly It Up podcast. It will be on other platforms after the day is done. So thank you for listening. I'm your host, Amadeo Garcia. He is Chris Mayer and he is Tyson Kwibell. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time and happy new year.